Is that a like a jazz club finger snapping? Well, I just I was getting into the theme music. Woman. <laughs> Whoa, man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you just got that reference, this is the perfect podcast oh, for you. My name is Keith Knight. Uh, I am currently located at Stonebridge Church <laughs> in Cedar Rapids, You say Iowa. that as if there's something precarious about your current location. <laughs> this is our second take. Our first take, we were talking about how our daughters are plotting to start their own podcast called... Out of Context. Out of Context. Yes. Just is to this, mock us. Right, one purpose. This, yeah. And then we started uh, talking about how, you know, your kids get your mannerisms mm. um, down mm-hmm. and they're able to mock you with your mannerisms or the things that you say. So they're making fun of me for saying when I open the podcast, you know, coming here from I'm like, I said, I don't say coming here from. And then we listened to a couple episodes and everyone was uh, here in Cedar Rapids. So I don't know, I feel like I'm a radio guy. You just got to own it, dude. You do have own to it. own it. You do have to own it. Um uh, we are also talking about preaching because that's part of what we do here. We are pastors at Stonebridge Church. Um, again, my name's Keith. I'm joined by Brandon. Brandon, I'll let you say your own name here, big boy. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case I forget it. Second time through, it's going off the rails already. Um, but uh, we always like to talk about, um, uh, to put into context, um, the, the scriptures that we've preached the week mm-hmm. prior, and really because we can't, you can't get to everything. Correct. Right? And that's the the... The hardest thing about preaching is you really, you could just stand up there and go on and on and on and on and on, but the problem is people have things to do, <laughs> and uh, and there's a there's a, uh, a benefit to being succinct as well. Absolutely. To help digest. Absolutely. So, but now we get to, in, in the weeks uh, prior to the sermon, then we get to dig in a little bit more to some of the concepts that we've uncovered. Mm-hmm. Currently in the book of John, the Gospel of John, which has been fun, mm-hmm. right? Um because there's just a lot to it. And I think the, the most fun thing, and I've, I'm discovering this, and other people I've heard um, tes- testimonially are discovering this as well, um, that John's organization of his information, it's so the book is so unique because he's very specific about what he wants in there. Yes. And some of the stuff that he has in there is is just purely unique to him, mm-hmm. right? It's, Quite a bit it's, of Whereas it. that's the, the difference between John and the Synoptic Gospels mm-hmm. is um, the, the emphases that he makes, and it's just it's just different, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. His brain seems to work uh, a lot like I feel like mine works. Mm. You know, just he's an artist. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> say that. He probably is actually. Um, but uh, this past week we were uh, talking about um, kind of the second part of the Samaritan woman yes, story, yep. preaching about the harvest, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, so just for uh, for the context, I think it would be, be appropriate for me to maybe read through it. I'm reading the Holman Christian Standard. Please don't hold that against me. Because uh, um, it's not, not the same. Um, I will... Uh, Probably just 31 to 38. Yeah, that's what I was going to go. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. He said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. The disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? Gosh, they're dumb. <laughs> my, f- my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the- his work. Jesus told them, don't you say there are still four more months, then comes the harvest. Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look to the fields. They're ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life, so the sower and reaper can rejoice together. 
For in this case, the saying is true. One sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. Others have labored, and you have benefited from their labor. So first of all, um, we've got that the disciples being dumb again. <laughs> I mean, and, and it's not just them. And the, like everybody, virtually everybody that Jesus has interacted with in John so far, is so stuck in earthly categories that right. when he start and, and he's being provocative, right? He's being intentionally right. like uh, getting their grabbing their attention to redirect them to heavenly categories. And so sure. Um but yeah they, they it's uh, cryptic though, man. It is, it is. You you can't fault like there's times where you can fault the disciples for not getting it. Right. I don't know you could fault them for not no. getting this one. Like he no. sent them for lunch and yeah. they come back and he's like, I yeah, have food, food to eat that you don't even know about. <laughs> you know, it's like okay. Uh, and, and of course, his goal is to get them to say, what's he talking about? So right. that then he can redirect them to what they really should be talking about. Yeah. Not lunch, but their mission. Right. That reminds me sometimes when my wife makes dinner. <laughs> if I'm still hungry afterwards, I sneak into the kitchen and eat things I'm not supposed to. <laughs> is this a confession now? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Haley, if you're listening. Sometimes she'll buy chocolate chips. <laughs> I don't know why. And I'll open the bag. And I'll like pour a little in my hand and eat them. She's always like, "Who opened the bag of chocolate chips?" Like, I don't know. <laughs> well, now she. But knows. now when I hear when I hear Jesus go, I don't know why this is so funny. <laughs> when I hear Jesus go, "I have food to eat that you don't really know anything about," <laughs> you think that way all the time. <laughs> <laughs> He's sneaking chocolate chips when they're not looking. <laughs> oh, my. oh my gosh, dude! I don't know why that's so funny. To I me. don't know either. But- <laughs> This is why you catch me in the middle of a sermon, like calling me out, but while I'm drifting off <laughs> in the Bible, because I'm stuck on passages and I'm stuck on things in the Bible that I think are hilarious, and everybody else would probably just think I'm an idiot. <laughs> Sorry, that what a derailment that was. It is funny though, but that that statement Jesus makes a lot of those weird, cryptic cryptic statements, and he makes it very clear. You know, there's parts where he's telling his disciples just straight out like mm-hmm. you know i speak in parables so that yeah. people don't understand mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know yep. which is it's it's hard but in this case the the parable that he's speaking about is the, you know the food his food is to do the will of the yeah. father yeah right? yeah it's a it's that echo of deuteronomy 8 3 you know uh the lord gave israel food bread right. that they did not know right and jesus i have food you don't know and what is that bread? It's not just man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He right. is embodying, once again, he is being faithful where Israel failed. He is true Israel. He is the Messiah, their representative king. Right. And with that, not only comes the priority of, of obedience to his gospel ministry, but the urgency of it, too, which he's helping them. Because the fact that you know, kind of what started the whole conversation, and if you go back to the sermon, you know, and talk about this, but uh, they were confused when they saw that he was talking to a woman, right? Right, mm-hmm. and which kind of sounds like mildly sexist or something like that. Jesus is breaking the Billy Graham rule and 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 so on, but it's because Christianity is patriarchal. <laughs> <laughs> but they, the fact that they don't get that Jesus is doing his Father's work while he's literally revealing his messianic identity to somebody shows that they don't get his ministry or theirs. And so he, that's why he kind of redirects and launches into this lesson to help them understand the nature of their ministry, the urgency of it, um, and the partnership that comes with it. And so 
But, uh, you know, so that harvest metaphor, uh, Jesus seems to be operating at a couple of levels. On the one hand, there's the immediate ministry with the Samaritans, right? Right. Uh, He just sowed the seed with the woman. She's now sowing it with the townspeople, Mm -hmm. and they're ready to reap a harvest, even though the planters are still got mud on their wheels, right? Yes. Um, But then there's another level, which we've seen so many times in John's Gospel so far, where he's picking up an Old Testament metaphor that's often used to describe the coming Messianic age and using it to talk about what he's doing and the fact that this is evidence that he is who he says he is. We saw it with the wedding feast analogy with being born of the water and the spirit in from Ezekiel 36 being you know the living water he offers the Samaritan woman now the harvest so there's this there's this immediate harvest but there's also this kind of eschatological harvest that right. has now begun like right. the end has broken into the present because the messiah is here which means there's work to do now right you know we're not just sowing the reaping has now begun right um so yeah so with so with that harvest and with both of those in mind, then too, one of the things that is going to get contrasted um, from this passage, this this last weekend's passage to this coming week's mm-hmm. passage, is um, one of the fields seems to be a little bit more ready. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, of all the fields, the Samaritan field being ripe for harvest. That's a pretty right. shocking thing, right? It, it is. It and it maybe brings up. And this is what what. I think we'd like to talk about a little today is, uh, okay, so the harvest, and, and I said uh, to Brandon, kind of off air, anytime you talk about evangelism, anytime you preach about evangelism, it's always walking a tight wire because mm. it's so easy to like almost low-key shame people for totally. like not <laughs> sharing the gospel. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I grew up in for sure, right? People are going to hell if you don't step in front of them and keep them from, mm-hmm. uh, or I grew up in the same, there's there are some traditions that will tell people, "Hey, get them saved," which is, <laughs> whoo, that's a tall, yeah, a, that's a lot tall of pressure. Order. It's Absolutely. a lot of pressure. So um, every time I hear this passage, I kind of almost float back to that. Oh, mm. you know, it's my job to go. Only you can only prevent forest fires. Yes, <laughs> Smokey the Bear evangelism, right? <laughs> um, so there, but there is a you know Jesus is inviting them into the harvest, but very clearly when the Samaritans are like. They just take Jesus at first. They come out and see what's happening. Yeah. And then they just take Jesus at his word yeah. based off this woman's like, hey, here's this guy. Well, well let's, yeah. Let's Two talk days with them. And they're like, totally in. the king of the yep. savior of the world. Right. I'm in. Without a doubt. You know. <laughs> I know. Wouldn't it be great that would if be we just amazing. walked downtown in the Cedar Rapids and say, hey, Jesus is the savior of the world. And people were like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. You've convinced me. Yes. <laughs> I'm in. I quit. I quit my job. Um it's not like that, yeah. Right, but yeah, it's yeah, also, yeah. but but we tend to think like when we would first read that, we might we might look at this passage and say, well, it's not like that now. But to be fair, it wasn't like that. It wasn't always like then, that then, especially yeah. with his own people. Exactly. Because when he encounters his own people, I mean, there are some people that obviously start following him. But then when when we get to John chapter six, mm-hmm. those same people that were seem to be very eager to follow him are already leaving. Yeah. And then quite a few more people, you know, obviously when he goes into Jerusalem mm-hmm. before he oh, yeah. before he's crucified, and everybody just bails on yeah. him, including yeah. his his best friend. So why, you know, what are we to take mm. and what are we to take from this passage again with everything in context? Because if we were just to stop in this passage, if we were just yeah. to look at evangelism from this passage's perspective, 
it would seem to be that evangelism is a lot more ready, right? Yeah. Like, and just because Jesus says the fields are ready does not necessarily mean... Every single that, field is ready to <laughs> right. put their faith in Christ. Or that that we're going to experience question. that in America mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Whereas you might see in, like right now in the in the Middle East, there are lots of places in the Middle East where people are legitimately coming to Christ, There's and it's almost happening. like yeah. the Samaritan thing. It's like yeah. they're just going like, hey... You know, some people are yeah. saying, hey, I'm having a dream. Some people are just responding to the gospel. Mm-hmm. So how are we as Christians, especially Christians in America mm-hmm. now, which I would say is pretty firmly post-Christian oh, to, at this definitely. point, right? Mm-hmm. At least for yep. the last few years. Um, how are we supposed to approach this harvest metaphor? Yeah. Like, how are we That's supposed to excellent. receive this passage of Scripture? Yeah. Now? Oh, wonderful question. Um, and, and I think... Looking at it on the second level at which Jesus is talking about, again, on the first level, he's talking about his specific ministry with the Samaritans. They're ready to be harvested. Them there. Them there, right? Um, Sometimes we'll experience that. Mm -hmm. But the broader level, the fact that the harvest has begun, um, that's not always going to look identical to what happens in this story. You alluded to the conversation that's coming up at the beginning of, you know, at the end of chapter four is going to be less eager to receive and, right. and so on. You'll right. get into that this Sunday. But, you know, I think it's, it's helpful to think of some of the other sowing and reaping metaphors or parables we see in Scripture. Mm-hmm. So you think of Matthew 4, uh, or excuse me, Matthew 13, Mark 4, the parable yep. of the sower. Right. Um, there uh, you've got one seed, the gospel, but you've got four different soil types. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And three of them are... Poor soil. Three of them do not produce fruit. One of them only one is Iowa. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One of them produces through fruit at three different levels. Right. Thirty, sixty, a hundred fold. Right. And so and there's this challenge where um, on the one hand, it's helpful to recognize, like sometimes the soil, and, and, and really I think the big idea, without going into too much detail, the big idea of that parable is that our response to the word is what reveals the condition of our hearts. Mm. What mm-hmm. that seed does when it hits the soil of our heart mm-hmm. shows us the condition of our hearts, right. whether it's hard, uh, whether it's strangled, whether it's mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, shallow, or whether it's soft and ready right. and, and ready to believe. God doesn't call us to be soil testers. Mm-hmm. He calls us to be sowers. Mm-hmm. And, and some of, sometime when we're sowing, it's going to land in places that are not ready for the harvest. Right, sure. So God's doing a harvest at an eschatological big level, mm-hmm. but not every sowing, you know. And I think another passage that comes to mind, um, and this, we thought about this a lot when we were doing ministry in New England, is Isaiah 6. Um, so, you know, we think of Isaiah 6 and his call as this great missionary text, mm-hmm. here am I, Lord, send me. Right. But then, like, what does the Lord send him to do? <laughs> Uh, he says, "It's the worst, go and worst s- job description it ever." It is. Go and say to this people, "Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Right. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. perceive yeah. Make the heart of this people dull, their ears heavy, and blind mm-hmm. their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed." Mm. Like it's a message of condemnation mm-hmm. in that sense, and mm-hmm. and in, you know how long? Well, in until judgment has swept through the land and only a remnant remains. And right. so um, there, Isaiah was called to sow against hard soil, mm. to preach where there were only tiny little pockets of right. receptivity. Right. And um, 
and yet that was the ministry God gave him. Right. That's hard. And it sometimes, hard. whether it's you know, uh, America, New England, wherever it at, wherever it is, sometimes we find ourselves ministering in hard places sure. where where the word is out of season and right. and right. it's not being received. We keep sowing. Mm-hmm. We don't change the message. We don't augment the seed. Right. You know come up with some sort of, you know, Frankenstein hybrid that that will be more palatable to this swampy ground or whatever. Right. We keep preaching the word because ultimately God's the one who brings the growth. Mm-hmm. And and that's, you know, which you know, you can you can step back at another level and talk about things like contextualization, things sure. like, you know, and and I think those are important conversations sure. to have yeah. when climates change. Like it, it it was one it used to be that you could just walk up to somebody in a coffee shop in the Midwest, and, and you might still get away with this in the Midwest. You can't do it in New England. Mm. And just say, "Hey, have you heard of Jesus? Do you know?" What? And, and yeah. they'll know who you're talking about. Yeah, you do that in New England, you do not have a guarantee that somebody actually even knows who you're talking about. So yeah. there's a different. Yeah. So yeah. so depending on the context in which you're sowing, there may be some different techniques and and or. Answer, showing them how the gospel answers questions they're asking, even though it's not the same question a generation earlier was asking. Right. But the gospel's mm-hmm. still the answer, and then that draws them into... So it's not mm-hmm. to say we just keep doing everything the same way that we've always done it. Mm-hmm. But the message stays the same. Mm-hmm. And our ministries may or may not bear fruit that we expect. Um, and, and that does not mean that we change the message. No, and right. And it's helpful. The other thing that's helpful is, so as you're talking about, you're talking through the Samaritan harvest, you're talking through what Isaiah was commissioned to do, and then my mind then goes to um, the, the apostolic mm. harvest, right? Mm-hmm. Or when the, when the church explodes, God sends the Holy Spirit. Yeah. In all of these cases, right? So again, because we're, because our primary hope is to put scripture in context. I think one of the disservices that we do as Christians, as we immediately run to, well, this should be this way mm. now because this is what we see in Scripture. Mm-hmm. But what we see in Scripture is contextualized for that time period. Yeah. So when Isaiah is preaching, yes, it is. It is you know a, a form of proto gospel, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. it's it's the declaration of of what God wants, and it's ultimately with Isaiah is the foreshadowing of the, the Messiah. Yeah. But even when Jesus is declaring, he's declaring, well, it's here. But his work hasn't been finished yet, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's still not the full idea. Yep, like, yep. Them b- believing in Jesus, it's it's not the full story yet. Well, then we we get to Acts; it's the full story. Yeah, right. Yep. And so then the harvest is a certain way. But then there's so to but but then there are um, there are pitfalls to trying to immediately apply what's happening in the Book of Acts. Yeah. To yes. modern evangelism as Correct. well, because of some of the the specific unique specifics that were happening yeah. at the time. Yeah. So I think one of the things is has any it, any of these sort of horizons that we see where these stories are being told about a harvest or about witnessing or speaking, you know, to other people and asking people to receive the truth of God. We have to be very careful not to just insert ourselves into yeah. the, well, this is how we should approach it because this is how Jesus exactly. Did it. Especially um, narratives, like narrative. Right. Um, narratives tell us what happened. They don't necessarily tell us what will always happen or Correct. what should even happen. Right, 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 right. And so, yeah, they're um, not prescriptive. They're not prescriptive. Right. You know, we we learn principles from them. We see patterns and so on and so forth. But um, we, but 
yeah, just because something happens in a narrative doesn't mean that's the way it's always supposed to work. Right. There are unique times, there's unique seasons of God's movement, like the apostolic period through Acts where the church was being born and growing. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some pretty unique elements to that season. Right. right? right. And um, and so, we again, we, we can expect to see some parallels. Right. But prescribing that this is what should happen every time when we do this right. is pretty dangerous Correct, and, yeah. and, and going to be ultimately discouraging. Right. Because that's, that's really... Kind of telling God how to do His job when it comes down to it, and uh, yeah, we're assuming that God doesn't know what's best for the era that we're currently living in. Yeah, and know? so when you take what you see in Acts and then look at the epistles, which are much more, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, prescriptive. didactic, oh, yeah, prescriptive. Right, sure, yeah. yeah, right. Um, there you see, okay, what is the primacy of how we do evangelism, mm-hmm. how we do ministry, and mm-hmm. we see it happening in Acts. But it's that emphasis on word ministry, the mm-hmm. word of God in the power of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, you see it throughout the epistles, especially the pastoral epistles, where he kind of really lays down, right. hey, here's how you grow a church, how you, how you start a church, how you feed a church. Yeah. Um, and and the, the centrality of the proclaimed word, right. not just from the pulpit, but from any context of speaking the word of God to somebody else, in the strength and power of the Spirit, you know, the way we often summarize it, the Word of God does the work of God mm-hmm. as the Spirit applies it to people's lives. Right, yeah. That does not change. And right. that can look different ways in different times. But Well, it even does in the epistles. Exactly. I mean, you've got some some very clearly are going to face persecution. When they mm-hmm. stand before the persecution, yeah. they're going to have to be bold and proclaim. And then other people, he's like, hey, live quiet lives. Yep. Do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Be good neighbors. Like, it's not the same for everybody. And, and that, right? that, that gets back to something you mentioned earlier, that... How do we measure the success of our yeah. harvest? Yeah, right. The ease of our lives <laughs> is not, right? Um, I reject that. <laughs> or or even the receptivity of yeah. the broader culture. Right, yeah. Those are not the marks of a successful harvest. Correct. Sometimes, because of the truth, the culture is going to push against it. Yeah. What's interesting, and I, you see this in, you know, throughout church history, you see it somewhat in New England today. Hmm. What's interesting is that as the cultural kind of influence of Christianity wanes, the purity of the gospel actually begins to take deeper roots in the Uh, church sometimes. Whether, you know, persecution heightens it. You see the church exploding under Roman persecution. You see them stagnating under Christendom. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and then you know, New England. Well, when I you make it the official state religion. Well, exactly. And start wrapping in pagan gods. Then all all sorts of challenges yeah. that come into that. And it, right. and again, we want we want Christianity to be an influence on our culture. Oh, That's for what's sure. best for Absolutely. people. Absolutely. But being influenced on the culture and actually knowing Jesus and following Him aren't the same thing. And and what cannot we can often trick ourselves into thinking they are, such that we lose our urgency of evangelism, yeah. or we lose. Our unique, the uniqueness of our message. Um, when or we just settle, we just settle for quote unquote being on the same team when we know dang well that the person who shares some of the values that we have does not share a value for Christ. Yeah, yeah, right. and yeah. and uh, and we can we can talk ourselves into being content with that yeah. very easily. Sure. When we start to lose that cultural influence, which is true in our country, yeah, um, and even the Midwest here, right, we feel it. Um, 
then that actually, as hard as that is, as bad as that is for America, mm-hmm. losing those Christian, Judeo-Christian morals, it actually allows the church to be much more clear about what this is about, mm-hmm. because right. it's not as muddied with all sorts of other cultural right. at, you know, attributes, right. um, such that you look at, you know, and I meant to like go through and actually count this up, and I didn't get a chance. When we moved to Boston in 2011, there were a handful of new church plants, like maybe, I don't know, six to eight in in the last five years before we got there. Mm-hmm. Um, probably more than that, but um, at least I would say gospel connect. Like, And these are English speaking. The ethnic church plants were exploding already. Mm-hmm. Um, English speaking, gospel preaching church plants, there were a handful. Prior to that, I mean, New England was about... F- Two to four percent evangelical mm-hmm. at that point. Um, I don't know the current number. What I do know is that there's at least maybe I want to say thirty to forty-five more gospel preaching churches now than there were ten years ago. Wow! And and so here's a culture that lost the 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 Christian influence right. in the world mm-hmm. that faces that persecution. You know, can't you can't meet at our school anymore mm-hmm. or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, even the Christian college up, up on the North Shore was, you know, the town decided you can no longer volunteer with our town programs because of your stance on homosexuality and wow. such. You know, so they're facing all the persecution, and right. yet the gospel's growing. Yeah. People are getting saved, right. and churches are, are, are multiplying. Mm-hmm. And so the cultural acceptance of the message is not a good measure of the, the true success of the harvest. Right. Um, where, you know, our... The fruit we look for in Scripture is fruit of faith, fruit okay. of repentance, yeah. fruit of yeah. multiplication, you know, yeah. those kinds of things. And I think we can see that, and sometimes we don't see that as much. Sometimes right. it, is a, is it, is, it is a dry season, um, but... Uh, Do you think you know. that, so like even the metaphor, even not the metaphors, but the language that you're using, when you these are the things we look for, or like the harvest. I mean, one of the things that... Jesus emphasizes is look mm-hmm. like lift up lift yeah. up your eyes like focus yep. on what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times we focus. A lot of times we emphasize the action of evangelism when we're talking about harvesting. We're talking about people, you know, bringing people to Christ. We're talking about the action of evangelism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I I think that the um, awareness of evangelism is probably the least paid attention to mm. right so like it's not like people don't know how to evangelize because there are a million books on it there are yep. a million different ways there's bridge illustration and the gospel mm. acronym and there's just so many ways to share it. yeah um but what there always seems to be is just not being aware of the people around you enough to know like where where the opportunities yeah. are. I think we stress out about how to make the most of the opportunities, but we're not really good we're not at watching like for them. watching for the opportunities. And, and I think that gets back to the disciples' problem in in John four. Right. They yeah. they saw a conversation as an interruption to the ministry. Right. Right. No, that is the ministry. Right. <laughs> and 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 I think so often if we we're not if we're not mindful of our mission of our commission from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And like, no, this isn't just like a, a thing. This is the thing. Um, you know, it, you imagine a, 
a soldier whose orders you know be part of a team to go liberate a city and they don't really pay attention to the city or what's going on. I mean, right. it's just yeah. that no, would never yeah, happen. Would never you can't happen. think of it, but that's yeah. so much what we often do. And I, yeah, I, I think there's a thousand reasons for it. I think we're distracted. I think we're afraid. I think we're insecure. I think um, sometimes we've had bad experiences that, you know, color our, you know, been rejected or, or hurt or, you know, whatever. There's a thousand reasons why we don't, and, and I'm guilty of like, 999 right. of those reasons, right? right? Yeah. So I'm not speaking of others, speaking also of myself. Um, but keeping that urgency and that priority, um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's hard, but it's so important. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the more we feel at home here, the less we feel our exile status, mm-hmm. that, that, that we're str- actually strangers and exiles here. Mm-hmm. The more we feel at home, the less urgency we see at, okay, this is, we have work to do. Yeah. And, and again, you can go so far as to then ride the guilt train right. to, you know, you have work to do, da 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 yeah. I was trying to avoid getting no, on that I track it's Sunday. Hard. It's hard. Because um, sometimes we do feel guilty for it, but the point isn't to beat ourselves up. The point is, okay, Lord, help me. Yeah, uh, help right, me do it. Right, you know. Well, so there, there's the, there's the other good point too. Is like I think the guilt usually comes in when we are assuming that there are there there is something definitively that we could be doing to completely change the mm. landscape, right? Yeah. Like that the whereas, well, and uh, the one of the passages as I was thinking through this topic that came up is it, it's not a one for one, but it's it's very similar. You know, when Paul is talking to the the church at Corinth, he says, "So yeah. what's Apollos? What is Paul?" Servants through through whom you believed. Mm-hmm. That's important, mm-hmm. right? So they, they, they're part of the work. They were right? part of the, the work. Harvester workers. And each has the role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth, yeah. right? Um, and then he says the one who plants and one who waters are equal, and each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's co-workers. You are the field, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So... I think that's important to remember that even Paul gets out in front of and owns like, you know, it's not all riding on us. Absolutely. Now, if we're not doing anything, we we should be doing, I mean, we should be doing something. Yeah. But we do it without the stress of thinking, if I blow this. Yes. You know, which is in a lot of Christian circles. Like, don't blow your opportunity. Don't blow your opportunity. It's like, well, I mean... It's not yeah. my field. The results, <laughs> the results are in God's hand, right? And that is so freeing and liberating. Like right. how this conversation ultimately goes. I mean, again, we want to do our best to be wise, right? You yes. think of what Paul asked the Colossians to pray for him, you right. know, at the end of his book, you yeah. know, uh, that I would, you know, the Lord would open a door that I can make the gospel clear right. as mm-hmm. I ought to speak, mm-hmm. and also, you know, for your ministry, walk in wisdom toward mm-hmm. outsiders. Mm-hmm. Uh, making the best use of your time. Let your speech always be gracious, gracious seasoned with salt, salt yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So so there are aspects of responsibility in what we say, how sure, we say it. That, that we say it, yeah. but the results are always in God's hands. Correct, yeah. You know, always in God's hands. And so prayer and proclamation uh, become absolutely, you know, essential for yeah. our call. Yeah. But actually producing the harvest, we can't control that. Yeah. We can't do that. That is the Lord's work. And so we give it to him in prayer, and we do our part in proclaiming in 
It's um, it's funny how unaware we are, though. So I, I think I've, I don't know if I've told this story before on the podcast, but I have a number of Christian shirts. I, there's this one company called Righteous Wretch, and they just have great ones. I've got one that just says Repent and Believe. Yes, I've seen that one. People, people, <laughs> people will actively turn away. Like I was walking down the street when we were down in Memphis, and we walked down to Beale Street, and oh, I've got nice. this shirt on. Yes. Right? Uh, and it's black shirt with big white letters. And so you see some people imme- immediately encounter it and then and then <laughs> shift shift away. Um, but I have another shirt that uh, is, it says on it, you must be born again. And mm. it's got a little dove. Well, I was over at the other side of town uh, at the Aldi um, over on, uh, uh, what's, what's the main road? On Blair's Ferry. Mm-hmm. So I was one day with that shirt on and I'm checking out. And the guy at the cash register looks at my shirt. He's looking at my shirt, and he's looking up at me. He's, what does that mean? And I was so caught off guard, <laughs> and I've got a line of people behind me because it's, like, in the busy time. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm like, how do I distill, you know, so I'm trying, well, you know, like, we're spiritually dead, and in order to, you know, to have a relationship with God, we have to be born spiritually. Like, we have to be born. We have to have our sin nature, you know, removed, and... Uh, so I'm trying to explain it very briefly, and he's like, uh, "Huh?" And there's a <laughs> people behind. But th- what caught me off guard was like that he even asked about yeah. my shirt. Yeah, no, yeah, a yeah. that he asked about it. B that he didn't know what it meant. Because mm-hmm. I just take for granted that somebody's going to see it and be like, oh, "I know, I've heard it before." Mm-hmm. This guy legitimately had not heard that phrase before. Wow. So, but that interaction made me realize: a, I'm not nearly as aware as I should be. Mm of mm-hmm. the people around me and how much they might not know. Yeah. And then two, just how much people in Cedar Rapids may have never really heard yeah. the gospel. Maybe parts of it, maybe they know Jesus is, mm-hmm. um, or they've had some experience with church in some form. But I think there's a lot of people even here in town that if you were to share the gospel, it'd be brand new to them. Yeah. So yeah. No, it's weird. Yeah, that is. It that reminds me of one other parable Jesus tells, you know, you just you never know we 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 can try to measure the effectiveness of our ministries and our words, but at the end of the day, we really do not know what God is going to do with right. his preached word. Right. We, we know uh, that the word will always accomplish what he sends it to do, Isaiah yep. 55. Yep. But there's this great parable in Mark 4, verse 26. Uh, Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. Mm. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Mm-hmm. And there's this mysterious aspect. Like, there's there's a responsibility of sowing. But the growing, you know, yeah. we don't, it's mysterious. We don't get to see it. We don't know right. how it works. Right. But we know when it works, right. there's a harvest. Right. And, and so... Um, you know, just that that confidence in God to accomplish what He sends His word to do. Mm-hmm. That that we should feel an urgency, a burden, a love for the lost. Right. But we should not put the weight of the world's salvation on our shoulders because Jesus has already taken it on His. Right. And we're simply pointing people to Him. Right. And and hopefully that that balance of urgency and confidence. Um, uh, urgency and, and rest in the Lord helps us be about the work He's called us to do mm-hmm. without un without becoming you know treating ourselves as the Savior that the world really needs. Yeah, right? yeah. 
Well, it's, it's introducing them to the Savior, which is ultimately what the Samaritan woman did. Exactly. Right? Come meet a man. Conversation with Jesus. She, Jesus encounters her, mm-hmm. and then she encounters the people closest to her because she can't not tell it. Yeah. I mean, she can't. She can't not say something about it once yeah. she's once she's experienced that, and I I think that's like a, that's a really good place for us to start. Like if you're listening to this and you're like, yes, but tell me how, tell me how, like le- legitimately, like have a have a conversation with someone where you're genuinely interested in them. Don't just make a beeline to be like, well, I gotta get this person saved because mm-hmm. I know I'm not saved. Like genuinely be interested in yeah. them, genuinely listen to them, genuinely engage them. Genuinely, if you don't know the answers to their questions, don't pretend that you know yeah. the answers to their questions. Yeah. Uh, invite them into just an honest um, look at how Christ has changed your life. Mm-hmm. Share that with them. Trust the Lord. And then also share that, like, if God's doing a work in that person, then God can absolutely work through that person to to impact the people that are around them, which is exactly what happened. Yeah. And then maybe yeah, their yeah. friends will come ask you, hey, yeah. what are you talking about? It's not always going to, like you said, sometimes people are going to be like, I hate you or give you the <laughs> finger. I've experienced that before. Mm-hmm. Yell something at you. I get it. I understand. It's not all going to be sitting down at a well having a nice chat with a lady who knows she needs help, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not going to always be like that. But... I think there's something worth saying. Trust Jesus enough to have a conversation, mm-hmm. um, but then, like you just said, entrust Jesus with the growth. You yep. cannot control that, and all your stressing and all your scheming is not going to accomplish the growth that only God can yeah. can bring. So, yeah, excellent. Yeah, and that's good, man. Like, uh, so obviously, we're not we're not solving all the world's problems here in terms of evangelism, but hopefully, it causes you to think a little bit more about making sure that. Um, uh, that we are aware that mm-hmm. there's still a harvest. I mean, and it will continue until the sowing and the reaping is going to continue, as Jesus said, until he returns. Yeah. Which seems, I mean, we know for sure it's closer every day than it was the day before, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it sure seems like it is way closer every day <laughs> than, it, than it was before. Um, and Haley and I were talking, I think I mentioned this at the service on Sunday, during one of the services, we've been talking like, what if Jesus just came back? Mm. You know, what if he just came back mm-hmm. and would he find us faithful or would we be slightly ashamed and embarrassed? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, not, in a, not in a condemnation way, but would we be like, man, I wish I would have made the most of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what we're encouraging. Like lift your eyes up, yeah. look at the harvest. God is still working even in a post Christian context. All hope is not lost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, he is coming to, to receive his people. Yes, and uh, we want to be part of of the harvesting and the planting and the yeah. reaping. You know, we want to be a part of all that because we love him, not Absolutely. because we're looking for stars, but because we love him. Absolutely. I uh, hope that's an encouragement to you today. And uh, if you're around Cedar Rapids, uh, you don't currently have a church home. Uh, boy, have we got a deal for you! <laughs> <laughs> I can't even pull that off. Uh, but uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Bye.